gentlemen. Well, this is Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, and we are going into the cold today uh, out to Canada with the uh, new Volleyball World CEO, Finn Taylor. How are you, my friend? I'm good, guys. Great to see you both. Good. Good to see you, too. It's uh, exciting times in the world of international volleyball right now. At, uh, I mean, the Tokyo Olympics happened, which was awesome, um, and now we have... Uh, a new system in place, the FIVB sort of being kind of rebranded as the Volleyball World uh, Beach Pro Tour. Uh, and so we have an, a new system, a, a three-tiered system replacing the star system. And, uh, and Finn, you're, you're charged with leading us uh, into these new waters here. Yeah, we're giving it a shot, that's for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, we're, we're, we're really looking forward to the challenge and... Uh, and taking uh, and taking the sport forward and and onto new heights. I think. Yeah, what are I mean? You when we were talking sort of before uh, we went on the record, you said you know volleyball world as a company has only been around since March. Uh, mm-hmm. So what are the first steps when you kind of take a a, a sport as big as volleyball, uh, which is the the fourth most participated in sport in the world, uh, and now you're sort of taking it not in a totally new direction, but a, a, you're Pivoting a little bit as the, as this peak is. Yeah. No, look, I think the first thing we the, the first thing we realized really quickly on is that the sport itself is fantastic, right? It's, it's not like we wanted to reinvent beach volleyball and and come out with a whole new system and and and, and change it from there. We actually felt that the sport itself just needed to be showcased better. And oftentimes with with volleyball and beach volleyball, the sport the sporting event is uh, kept in such a sterile and un-entertainment un- environment, if you like, that uh, you don't be, you, you don't get attraction from fans outside of that core, core passionate beach volleyball audience. Mm. And so, for us, in terms of of when we talk about developing the product, we were really keen that we didn't want to destroy the integrity of the sport itself, but we want to build on that. And we wanted to be able to create uh, a tour and create events that really highlighted the athletes, but also provided good opportunity for sponsors, broadcasters, uh, and the public beyond those that are sitting on the court or the hardcore dedicated fans that will just fall down a YouTube rabbit hole to find beach volleyball. Right. And so things like, you know, we actually said that, from the start, we would take on all of the broadcast responsibilities. So Volleyball World is going to invest in broadcasting every single match on the tour, which hasn't been done before. Normally it's just semifinals and finals. But if we want to create a narrative and we want people to follow their, their, their superstars and, and, and create context in these matches that pop up on YouTube on a Saturday afternoon, you need to be able to commit to understanding how they, those teams have fought through the rounds and through the quarters and, and, and got to where they are. So we've, we've pulled a team together from outside of volleyball. Um, my, uh, my CMO is from Nike and she spent a long time at the UFC. Okay. I had a, have a head of sponsorship that's just come straight out of Formula One. Um, and so, you know, we've brought other sport experience into the team to be able to really look at all of the elements and line them up so that uh, we believe we're going to have a really, really strong product. Yeah. Yes to come. And you were also (laughs) coming well outside of volleyball. You were coming from Cirque du Soleil where you had an almost 20 year career there. Um, I'm curious what made you, well, I'm really curious about what your time with Cirque du Soleil was like and what made you want to leave it um, to uh, a, another sort of venture with beach volleyball. Well, it was a great look. It's a great company, and, and it's a fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic operation, and, and, and puts on amazing shows. Um, my role was primarily in running the touring show business, so all of the shows that went around the world, and, and you know, on the beach in Santa Monica, and and uh, in the big tops and the arenas around the world. So. Uh, there's actually a lot of crossover in terms of beach volleyball when you think about trying to put events on around the world right, and dealing right. with promoters and organizers. Um, and look, the pandemic the pandemic hit so hard, right? It, it hit all entertainment. In fact, I mean, we 
he shut down the, the tour for a while there because of the pandemic. And for me, 20 years was a was a nice round number and, and this opportunity came along and and sports has always been a been a certainly a huge attraction for me. And so uh, right time, right place, I guess. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. The last time you had a new venture was to, was when you think about it, what two thousand, almost two thousand. So it's got to be fun to kind of start a new chapter, a new season of life here. Very much so, yeah, yeah. Look, it, it's an amazing opportunity, and um, uh, as I was saying earlier, I, no one realizes outside of volleyball how big volleyball really is. Yeah, and I think that's that's for us is where the potential lies, and. I look at sports like tennis and, and, and go, well, I mean, why can't beach volleyball be as big as tennis? I don't understand why not. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you think about how we can grow a business around the tour and how we can highlight the athletes and bring them to a stage that I think they deserve to be at, it's all in front of us, really. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that it's not many people outside of beach volleyball understand how big beach volleyball is. When you were approached for the job or maybe you sought the job. I'm not sure how that process went, but did you realize how big no. it was? Or was that until after you got the job, you're like, Whoa, I got kind of a, a giant on my hands here. Well, that was part of the attraction, right? Was, was, was realizing what, what, a, what a sleeping giant it really was. And, and being able to, to grasp that opportunity to say, okay, we've got a great product. Right. First step first, we have a great product, indoor and beach, knock it out of the park in terms of the athleticism, the skill level, the excitement. But but often the packaging is is needs improving and the entire package, and not just talking about the match on the court, but the fan experience of buying a ticket, getting to the venue, getting to the beach court, figuring out, you know, what's all around the 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 match itself or the games themselves. And, and that for me personally was a real attraction because, um, <clears throat> you know, the anecdote I use is I, I'm from Montreal and we don't have a basketball, we don't have an NBA team in Montreal. So whenever I'm in Miami, I'll make an effort to go and see the Heat play. Yeah. Not because I'm a fan of basketball, but it's a fantastic experience. Right. And if we can get people to walk along a beach stumble across a beach volleyball tournament or preferably market to them well and have them attend a beach volleyball tournament. It's the product itself will do the selling, right? The event is, they're so, you know, so fun, so cool. The sport is just bananas strong that, you know, my job really is to be able to give people the opportunity and, and what we're doing with volleyball TV and what we're doing with, with the rest of volleyball world is about providing fans the opportunity to experience volleyball at a top level. And, and we believe that the product will sell itself. Yeah. I think it's really exciting times. I mean, especially for a player, I always get excited when I see outsiders come in, uh, people that aren't familiar with our sport, sport to come in. Cause it's just such a fresh set of eyes, uh, especially when you've had success in other aspects of business. Um, how do you see, because there's going to be, it seems like there's going to be a lot of changes. Do you think that, obviously you said the product is already really good. Do you think that the players and the actual game itself is going to see any sort of change um, in terms of that side of things? You mean like in the rules or the... Not like the rules, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, we've already seen the, so the scheduling, uh, there's a different tier system. <clears throat> Um, you know, just like from a player standpoint in terms of fans interacting with players or, and whatnot is, is yeah, look, I think, I think what we're trying to do, right. Is, is kill a few birds with one stone, right. We yeah. want to keep the game. We want to keep the integrity of the game. We want to keep the, the sport pure for want of a better term. Yeah. But we also realize that like for the last decade, the tour really has sort of treaded water. And the number of events hasn't grown. The total prize pool hasn't grown. Um, the, actually, the number of events has been really inconsistent year to year, which makes it really hard for the athletes to plan, to, to build careers, to earn great money. And so we, we had kind of two choices. You know, we could have kept going down that path and, and just working on a 
more of the same sort of deal. But we believe that there's a better opportunity if we can tell an easier story for the public. Yeah. And so while there was five stars in the old system, there was hardly ever any two stars and hardly ever any five stars. Yeah. And so there really wasn't five stars. Right. And so and so it's really hard to tell a fan what's the difference between a one and a two star. There's no difference except for some prize money. And like for every 21 star events, there might have been one two star event. Right. So, I, have to, I have to admit, I as a player, obviously a lot of people ask us about the sport and are confused. I barely know what the heck's going on. <laughs> I can't even explain it to fans. Like, where should I watch? What ranking system? I'm like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. where I'm ranked or why. I just show up and try to play at the highest level. Like, it really, it really has been confusing. But, but if you went to go and see a tennis tournament, right, there's four that matter. And right. then there's probably eight that matter under that. And then there's 12 that matter under that. And then there's 45 that matter under that. And so, but the way that they sell it is, is just, it's the ATP tour. Right. And so yeah. really the beach pro tour is built on that. Although right now, a lot of focus is being done on the individual levels of, of right. the event. Realistically with the, with the way the rankings work and the way that the events will be uh, planned and scheduled, it's the Beach Pro Tour. And so you will be a participant on that. And if your ranking goes up, you'll be invited to other events. And if your ranking goes down, you'll be invited to other events. Mm -hmm. And so what we tried to do was, first and foremost, we wanted to focus the, the, the new format around the athlete. So the, the idea is to highlight the athletes, create the superstars, make the fans know who player X and player Y is. Yeah. And not just USA or Canada or Australia. We wanted to really say, no, no, these are individual people right, and right. they are playing on the tour and they should be recognised because everyone knows who Djokovic is or Andy Murray or, yeah. or, or people like that. And so that was the first thing. The second thing we needed to do was to, to have a format of an event that allowed promoters and organisers to make money. And the reason that... We hadn't had consistency in the previous decade of beach volleyball was that the events were getting bigger and bigger and more expensive to run and, and people didn't want to run them. And so we we wanted to, to create a format that that possibly was, let's say, smaller on grandstand size and smaller on overall infrastructure. But when I talk to a guy in Mexico or I talk to a guy in South Africa, they're like, okay, that makes sense. I think we can we can run one of those and make money. And run it for multiple years, and so you know we have we've we've got events signed on our tour now that are signed for three or four year contracts, even even a couple up to six or seven, because they understand that the event makes sense for them, and if it makes sense for them, it's going to make sense for the athletes, and it'll make sense for the tour as a whole. And so this was a you know this is quite a little a, quite a big change in thinking in terms of. How do we create sustainability and consistency year to year? Not just looking at 22 and going, what's the best we can do next year? I actually want what's the best for 22, 23, 24, 25, because I don't want, I, I, well, I want to get us into a situation where the athletes know that every August they're in Canada or every March they're in Mexico and we can build routine. And then what's better is the broadcasters know every March we're in Mexico and every August we're in, uh, in Canada. And then the sponsors know that. And so we start to get traditions, we start to get um, history, and we start to get uh, recognition of what's happening. And it's not just some random tour that changes every year and is sort of adapting to the situation. Mm. Everyone knows when the Australian Open is or when, when Wimbledon is, um, and we should get there. There's no reason to say we couldn't get there. I heard you guys a few weeks ago were talking about Stad in Switzerland. Right? Everyone knows when that is. Yeah. Right. And, and we want to have that sort of legacy in the sport that, that the athletes from around the world, whether they're in America or Brazil or wherever, know that that's when this tournament's on, this tournament's on, this tournament's on. And, and that, that's obviously not as easy to do as booking 15 random tournaments. Right. So 22 is, you know, we're working hard. The team's working hard on booking events. But 23, 24, 25, it's going to be 
It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fantastic. I love it. I think one of the biggest questions beach volleyball has had the last, you know, basically forever is how do you make an event make sense for the promoter in South Africa, in Stad, wherever it may be, the Hague, how do you make it make sense for the promoter and the players? Uh, so what kinds of things were you guys doing that's, that's enabling you to sign these, you know, two year, three year, six or seven year contracts? Um, Cause that's one of the, been one of the biggest questions forever. And, and one of the things that the AVP is, I feel like having trouble with every year is how do we make this make sense to have a tournament in New York or in Atlanta? Okay. So the first thing we do is charge for ticket, right? So wild concept, but we don't believe that, that beach volleyball is worthless. I just, I'm going to get I'm going to give you a round of applause, Finn. <laughs> it's a wild concept, and I can't believe how wild a concept that is. But like, you don't give away your crown jewel, right? So this is something that we're very insistent on with our organisers around the world because even if it's five, ten, fifteen dollars, it it has a value. Like it's there is an intrinsic value to the athletes putting in the effort and putting on a show. So that's a big part. Um, to be quite frank, we're not getting pushback on that, obviously, from, from most <laughs> of the professional organisers that we're getting. But there's a cultural thing in beach volleyball that it's free, which I'm not yet understanding, but maybe one day I will. The, the second and perhaps more important path is that we, we did a very strong exercise very early on that uh, pulled a lot of the bureaucracy out of the organisation of the event. So in terms of reducing the number of uh, officials that had to visit an event, re reducing the requirements in terms of number of courts, number of infrastructures. Um, the format changes were specifically designed to be able to reduce the number of courts and grandstands and bathrooms and, and nights of hotels and things. Um, so that the organiser still got an amazing tournament over four or five days, still had the best athletes in the world, had a fully produced TV competition, had global exposure, and had a path to make money, whether it's selling tickets, local sponsorship, food and beverage, merchandise, and, and so, and you know, and then there's the government support and the city support and the tourism support. So this was something that we worked very hard on early so that we could go to market and say to, to organisers, not just federations, when we were working with a lot of federations, they're fantastic, but also... You know, I, I went back into my network in, of, of promoters and event producers around the world to be able to bring a new generation of partners to the table who already come out with some fantastic ideas about events around the event um, that will really create opportunity for them and for our tour down the road. How value has your experience with Cirque de Soleil been so far? You mentioned you, you've kind of tapped into that network, but I feel like just your ability to find different spots to put on events. I feel like you've been building this skill set for the last 20 years, almost specifically for this job. And you, might, you probably didn't even <laughs> it know. Fits well. <laughs> yeah. It fits well. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it, it's good. I can ring up, you know, I can ring up people in the Dominican Republic and know that they'll put an event on and things like that, right? So having the network is, is really beneficial. But, but these guys are not in the business of losing money. So we have to make sure the product is good right. and the product is of, of the quality that we say it is. Right. So I think I can tell you we're not going to have trapeze artists and jugglers at, <laughs> at the tournament, <laughs> that's for sure. Okay. Um, but, but it is a show, right? Like we want the fans to be entertained and we want the broadcast and the, the TV partners to realise that, that we're not just putting two people on one side of the court and two people on the other side of the court and, and watching, just watching that. There has to be, there has to be uh, an entertainment element to the product and there has to be, it has to be positioned in a way that, that you know, it's more than the sum of its parts. And I think that's really important as we tell the story of the Beach Pro Tour and, um, you know, we talk about these athletes who, who are, more or less full-time training hard as any other elite athlete in the world and not getting the recognition that they probably deserve. And we, we need to be able to build a pedestal for them to, to stand on and, and to really show their skills and to get value for it. That's, that's what we hope to do with the tour yeah. is, is have these athletes use the tour, right, as a pathway to even bigger and better things. 
Yeah, I feel like in my nine years, eight or nine years on being on FIVB tour, um, and even AVP, to be honest, I don't feel like um, the players have been promoted and put out to the audience uh, in a in a way that at least impressed me or excited me um, as an athlete. And obviously, we're all trying to do that with our personal brands, but it's not exactly our expertise. So hearing that that's a priority um, is really exciting for me. I, I really, really believe that that we can, there, there's some really, like, there's some athletes out there. If you go through, you know, the Lion Kings and the Casey Pattersons and Anders and Christian and the, the personalities and that are, are players are, you know, coming up with, you know, obviously they're authentic, but like they're doing a good job. There's a lot of people that are doing Fantastic a really good job. job on their own without really the help of any tour. Like you throw us up on Instagram, it's not really helping our brand that much or like, really letting the audience know who we are and then we can walk on the court and be like our authentic selves and people know who we are and you know we can kind of play to that and um, 100% I, I think it's going to be a big deal but my my thought is um going to take a quick break from the show for a really fun announcement uh is that try and i uh now that we're finally back in the same country for the first time in what feels like basically forever uh we're finally getting around to doing the things that we've been trying to do for a while now and one of them is dropping a sandcast merchandise line that you can check out at sandcastmerch.com all right we've got t-shirts we've got hoodies we've got tank tops hats we even have a coffee mug and a backpack all right, so head over to sandcastmerch.com uh, to take a look and get some of your favorite gear from your favorite podcast. And just so you guys know, I mean, one of the reasons that we wanted to drop a merchandise line uh, is one, a couple of people asked, and two, it's just a, another kind of revenue stream for us. And every piece of profit that we make from merchandise is going straight back into the podcast. I mean, now that it's off season, we're going to spend a lot more time kind of improving the podcast, getting better content better mics, a better video setup for those of you who watch on YouTube. And our merchandise line is kind of going to help fund that a little bit. So thank you guys uh, to anybody who has already bought some hoodies, some t-shirts, some hats. We absolutely love you guys. And we love you so much for the last four years. Can you believe we've been up for four years uh, of supporting us for that long and uh, only bigger and better things to come for Sandcast. So head over to sandcastmerch.com to get your gear today. This podcast is, of course, as always since day one, brought to you by Wilson Volleyball. We know, we know it's off-season, the AVP's three-event year is over, but that just means you get to reload on balls to train and rep it out with over the off-season. So head over to Wilson Volleyball and use our discount code SANDCAST-20 to get 20% off your orders of Wilson Volleyball. All right, that's SANDCAST-20 to rock your favorite ball, best ball in the game by far. All right, we played with Mikasa's, we played with Wilson, we played with any kind of ball, and Wilson is by far the best. So head over to Wilson Volleyball and give him your love. And the last bit of news I have before I can let you guys get back to enjoying our podcast is that we do have a, a Sandcast newsletter. We started it last year, or kind of during COVID, and then uh, both Try and I, we hit the road pretty hard during 2021 and lost a little focus, lost the time to do it. But now that we are both back in the United States and we have a lot of free time on our hands to keep improving Sandcast, we do have a Sandcast newsletter. Uh, if you want to sign up for that newsletter, it'll include any updates we have with the podcast, but also any writing that I do for Volleyball World, uh, for Volleyball Magazine, any interesting stories on both Volleyball World or Volleyball Magazine or at avp.com, any updates that Try has on his YouTube channel, any great videos that McKibbins have. Basically, I'm just calling all of what I think to be the best volleyball content out there, and I'm just throwing it in a newsletter. Uh, so if you guys want to get that newsletter, head over to sandcastvolleyball.com. And on the right-hand side, you can just drop in your email address, and I will get that to you every Friday that I'm in the United States. Once season starts up, I cannot promise I'll keep up with it. But the idea is to keep doing it for as long as we can. It's just a weekly thing. Um, it's fun for me to do because I'm basically just taking all of my favorite things that I saw in the volleyball world, and I'm 
giving it to you guys. So if you want to be a part of that newsletter, sandcastvolleyball.com. And on the right-hand side, just drop in uh, your email, and I'll be chatting with you every single Friday. I have one more quick announcement here to make, guys. So this company called Wisdom reached out, and they asked if I could hop on their app and just have a live chat with fans of Sandcast or whoever wants to join. So I'm going to be speaking on Tuesday, uh, that's December 21st at 10 a.m. All right, so I'm going to go live on Tuesday at 10 a.m., uh, and you guys can just join the chat, and we can just chat beach volleyball, really whatever you want to chat about. It's live, uh, so if you want to have any fan questions, anything you want to ask me about beach volleyball, about writing, about podcasting, whatever it may be, uh, I'm there. I'm there to chat with you guys. Uh, so in order to do so, you have to download this app called Wisdom, all right, and that is just like it sounds, Wisdom. And then I'll hop on. I'll share the link uh, on my Instagram so you guys can just hop on there. Um, And then we're just going to chat for whatever you want to chat about. could be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. I'll be there however long you guys care to listen. All right, so that's the Wisdom app, and that is Tuesday, December 21st at 10 a.m. All right, so I will catch you guys on Tuesday. We're just chatting life, folly, whatever you guys want to talk about, uh, at 10 a.m. Tuesday, December 21st. Now, back to the show. You guys uh, lowered the, the, the main elite tour, elite 16, to 16 teams this year. What's the main thought process behind that? Is it the promotion, picking less players to promote uh, and getting, and are you going to stick to like just those 16 for the most part? Um, and then. It's, so, so it's not a closed league, right? right and yeah, I think right, this right, has been right, a little right. bit confusing. Okay. Yeah. So the, the idea behind the 16 is, is based around two things. Firstly, quality of matches. Mm-hmm. So we want, we, we, we know from experience, right, that if you go to the World Championships, the last two days are where the amazing matches come. Or if you go to the tour finals at the end of the year, it's four days of amazing, amazing beach yeah. volleyball. We saw it in Sardinia this year. Yeah. It's fantastic sport the whole week. So the, the Elite 16 is uh, a showcase, effectively, of the 16 best-ranked teams at that time. Yeah. But if the players in the challenge events or the other events earn more points, they will they will be invited to these these events throughout the season. Yeah. It's not yeah. a closed league, and the idea is certainly not just to lock it off, but but rather than have five tournaments of 32 players, we wanted to have 15, 16, 17, 20 tournaments of 16 players, and then the challenge event, which is the call it your ATP 500 event, the next level down, yeah, is a yeah. bigger field for sure. Yeah, um, and there's there's more local wild cards and things like that. But um, it's not about creating a separate league. It's not be, not about creating yeah. you know a closed league for a season. It's for sure. it's for more sure. about having a, sh- a quality of showcase for the sport where uh, the, every match is is you know a great match and and the promoters and the organizers um, are getting a solid four days of amazing volleyball. But do you like, would you, let's say you're promoting a certain group of athletes, right? The, the top elite ones, let's say some slide back. Do those players still kind of like get to be followed by the audience? Or, yeah, absolutely. Or is it like, so we're, we're going to broadcast the challenge as well. Like all of the challenge events are being broadcast as well. They're being produced and broadcast. And <clears throat> we're, not, we're not picking 16 teams okay, to be yeah. promoted. Right. We're going to pick, we're gonna pick the athletes that, that, you know, that, are, that want to be, that are the stars, that are the, are the, the rising stars, the falling stars. Again, it's about creating a storyline, right? right? So if you think about, I'll give you a Canadian example, right? Eugenie Bouchard, tennis player, right? I don't know where she's ranked right now, but she has an amazing following on social media. She's still very popular with the sport, but she's had a couple of tough years in tennis. Mm. On the vice versa, you've got the, the, um, the girl from the UK who won the US Open this year, who's a rising star, and, and she's being built up and, and promoted. Right, yeah. my, I took my kids to see uh, a beach volleyball tournament last summer and they'd never seen a beach volleyball tournament before. I have a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old boy. And I couldn't get them out of the stadium the whole weekend. And, and all they wanted to go and do was see the Qatar guys. 
right? They gravitated <laughs> towards the guys from Qatar. And for that, for them, that was their team the whole weekend. Huh. And so we're not picking who, who we, we're not picking the stars, right? No one picked Michael Jordan. Right. The audience uh, does, right? The, the, the audience is the one that's going to pick the, who, who were the superstar and who were the, who were the fan favorite. Yeah. What we will do is amplify that. And, and in fact, you know, we're going to hold seminars for all of the athletes to improve their social media. We're going to hold seminars for the athletes with, with Snapchat, with Instagram and all of these companies to help them help themselves as well, because it, it's in our interest that they're, they're better at this as well, the off court stuff. Yeah. But it's not in the end, it's not volleyball world or the FIBB or anyone to necessarily determine that that's who's going to be the best. It's exactly. it'll be the fans and the performance on the court. Right. I always kind of wondered how that that worked because I see like the NBA and like you know they it seems like they really pick superstars and like but but the, so really the NBA so it's it's interesting right it's not the NBA it's Nike right. or it's Converse or it's Under Armour. Right. Like Nike's Nike's very much LeBron James, right? That's right. their, their right. pillars are That's basketball true. and LeBron James. Uh-huh. But for 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 us, the worst thing we could do is is make a determination that goes against the audience. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I love it. Sounds good. And um so we mentioned before on the show how uh you've been getting feedback, a lot of feedback from the players, yeah. which I'm a part of. So I've been uh, a part of the text chains and whatnot. Um, and you, you mentioned that you love it. Um, can you talk oh, it's really about the feedback that you've gotten so far from the players? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously the good thing is they want more matches, right? They want right. more tournaments, which is yeah. exactly what we're working on. Um, when we announced the schedule two weeks ago or last week or two weeks ago, it's, it's clearly a work in progress and we yeah. continue to build and, and sign events and the team that's working on, on the hosting and the negotiations is working six, seven days a week with, with discussions all over the world. So, you know, it's not just not just four months in the middle of the year in Europe. It's We are creating events in Brazil and South Africa and Egypt and had a meeting with Morocco this week. And, I mean, it's all over the place. And so as, as we get into this first year of events, remember last year we had five events, three of them in Cancun. So, you know, we're still coming out of a really tough COVID time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we announced 16 or 17, I think, in the first tranche, and we'll be announcing more as we go and bringing on, on more events online um, and, 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 and adding and adding. We don't have a cap on the number of events that we want. I tell my team there's 52 weekends in a year. <laughs> um, we, we might give Christmas off. But, but realistically, right, it's about opportunity. Yeah. And 16 events across 12 months does not create front of mind thought for the fans, does not create a legitimate product for the broadcasters, does not create continuity in the way that we promote the sport and promote the tour. Yeah. So we want, I mean, we're, we're, we will have more events coming on as often as we can. And again, on multi-year relationships so that once we get past the hump of 22, you'll start to see much more consistency in the, in the way the tour is going. I love it. Because... For, for us to be able to create a consistent message to the fans, we want them to, to know, you know, every Saturday I can watch beach volleyball or every Sunday afternoon I know there's a final on. And if they go on to volleyball TV, then they can watch it all the time and it'll be as omnipresent as that to be able to create right. that culture. Yeah. And I guess uh, I know the thing that I keep hearing kind of come up is is kind of the concern from, let's say, the – 17th best team in the world right where we're used to having a deeper draw and and on the world tour as travis knows like the 17th best team in the world might win like there's a good chance they're going to win the tournament in our sport it's not uh top eight are usually always winning and on the podium it's like a big fluctuation of that and i think a big concern i'm hearing throughout the players and obviously we haven't gotten the schedule and you've communicated that and Everyone needs to just be patient. But what would your message be to those 17 to 18 teams that feel like if we're stuck on the Challenger Tour and the schedule doesn't favor us getting up to that 16, we're not going to be able to make a living. Be patient. You'll have more events and you know what to do with, trust me. Love it. <laughs> Simple. No, I, I, honestly, I, I told my team that if, 
if I don't hear the complaints about too many opportunities, then we're not doing our job. No, look, we we get it, right? I think we'll see when when we get into the season that the way the two the way that the points have been worked out by the FIVB, you'll see flow and you'll see fluctuation. Um, but for us, it's it's about maximizing the number of events, and there will be more than opportunity for everyone. Yeah. Sure. yeah so it's good to hear that you guys are just aware of it i think oh yeah, absolutely. hearing it they kind of uh can spin out a little bit and create scenarios and like what's happening now no, like, but that's natural right we understand good. that yeah we understand that they want to plan they want to be able to model things in their yeah. minds which is a very good thing to do but it can also be a a very uh, bad thing if they start to go down the rabbit hole yes. sort of so for us what we want to be able to do is create a calendar that, that works for everyone, right? Um, again, it's it's one thing for us to put on 15 events on the, the challenge level or for the athletes, but it, it's almost just a part of the overall picture, right? Yeah. We want to be able to create a tour that, that everyone, athletes, fans, teams, federations, Olympic committees, sponsors, broadcasters, understand, are waiting for, can see the value in, yeah. And it will yeah. it'll it'll build from there, yeah. and yeah. and I completely understand where the athletes are coming from, and and yeah, there's there is there is dates that we are in the process of filling for sure, and as we come on, you're going to see the picture evolve, and you'll see the tour evolve. And look, it's still COVID, right? We're not out of the woods in terms of being able to transport people, get entry into countries. Um, so this is a this is a reality we're going to have to deal with for a little bit longer. Yeah. But we already announced whatever we announced last year was equal to the number of events in 2018 before COVID even hit. So yeah. we're starting to see good traction and it's only going to go up from here. Yeah. Um, as a player, I, I appreciate you having, you know, respecting the players' opinions and like where, why we're coming from where we're coming from. But I personally, to be honest, and I'm, I'm a bubble team. Uh, I think Travis, you probably know better than me, but I think I'm in the top 16. So that's I think good. You're good. <laughs> but my point is that, um, you know what? I want to see the sport succeed. I, I'm hearing the things you guys are saying and the problems that you're realizing. And, and I'm fully agreeing on a lot of this stuff in my head. I feel like we have the right leadership in place now. I feel like, yeah, you're probably making it more challenging. You have to be top 16 in the world. But this is what our sport needs. And instead of all of us just making a little bit of money and just kind of being an average sport, I'd rather the top be extremely good and just carry everyone and make it really difficult to, to be at the top because that's how it should be. If, if there's a giant reward at the top, then it should be difficult to get there rather than the, I say, spreading the cream cheese thin. Like, no, we need, we need a lot of cream cheese. We need a lot of good bites. And um, I'm, I'm sure there's another goal the challenge. We're going to pause one more time for a word from our sponsors. And our first sponsor here is ourselves, Sandcast. We have been talking about adding a lot of things to the show, uh, one of which was an extra episode on YouTube. We have now added a little mini episode. We dubbed it Quick Sets that comes out every Friday. But we've also added an email newsletter called the Sandcast Beach Volleyball Digest, which also comes to you delivered straight into your inbox every single Friday. If you want to sign up, shoot us an email at sandcastpodcast at gmail.com or head to our website, sandcastvolleyball.com. Either way, super easy to sign up. We'll get you ready to go. And every single Friday, we will send you a list of all the top news in the beach volleyball world. And that's not just what we're doing here at Sandcast. It's not just what we're putting out every Wednesday. It's not what we're putting up on Fridays on YouTube. This is all the top news at Volleyball Magazine. This is all the top news at Volleyball World, what the McKibbins are doing, what Kristen Nuss and Taryn Clother are putting up on their YouTube channel, what James Shaw's doing, what Molly Turner's doing on their YouTube channel. Anything that is relevant in the beach world, we are putting in our newsletter delivered to you every single Friday. All right, so if you want to sign up, again, just shoot us an email, sandcastpodcast at gmail.com, or head to our website, sandcastvolleyball.com. Super easy to sign up, and I'm looking forward to having you guys on the newsletter. This podcast is also brought to you by Family First Life. 
Yes, a life insurance company. The last couple of years, life insurance has seen an absolute boom in numbers and signups because people are starting to figure out that crazy stuff happens in the world and it's best to be prepared for it. So Family First Life, they offer 20 different companies, 100 different life insurance products. This could be mortgage protection. It could be income protection. It could be disability Basically, anytime a potential disaster or a pandemic or a strange thing could happen, you and your loved ones will be protected through Family First Life. If you want to get a free quote, and this is absolutely free, it's not one of those free, but you got to enter your credit card stuff. No, totally free quote. If you want to get a free quote for any kind of life insurance, whether it's just mortgage protection or final expense or full-on term life insurance, whole life insurance, we can get you covered. Shoot us an email, sandcastpodcast at gmail.com, and we will get you set up with your free quote from Family First Life. And now, back to the show. I'm sure there's a lot of golfers that would thank Tiger Woods for dominating for all those years in the in the early 2000s because yeah. he basically single-handedly blew prize money out of the water. Yeah. And you're right. That the top will lift everybody up for sure. Yes. And and this is this is something that we're very, very strong on. Yeah. You asked before, Travis, what did I learn at Cirque du Soleil? One of the things I learned at Cirque du Soleil was to listen to the athletes and to, to the artists and to the athlete. And something that I'm very strong on here with my team and also just myself is, you know, these guys are the stars of the show. And, and we need the athletes to be able to perform and to be able to, to compete at the highest level. And we need to give them the stage to do that. So yeah. it's something that's very important to, to move forward. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, as long as the sport's growing, sure, we should all be challenged to, to grow with it. And, and I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. Awesome. In your experience so far, Finn, what have been the – um, biggest challenges in terms of trying to get the events. It seems that you've had a lot of success. Obviously, COVID uh, would be a huge challenge that every sport is dealing with. But has it been tougher to get a challenger, an Elite 16, a Futures? Has there been any like specific challenges to any of those tiers? Or has it been just kind of pretty equal interest in all of them? Yeah, look, it's COVID, COVID by far has been the biggest, the biggest hindrance. People are not wanting to talk yet, not knowing what will happen, or they want to talk, but they, they can't get the governments to, to open their wallets yet. So that's been the big thing. <clears throat> In terms of challenge or, or elite, no, I mean, there's different horses for different courses, right? There's some, some countries that, are, that really want more local teams, and so, so that they tend to, to gravitate towards a challenge event to be able to get more wild cards for the locals. And there's some, some markets and some promoters that want the best of the best and, and just go straight to an Elite 16. There's some places where we'll have back-to-back. So we'll have a challenge and an Elite across sort of a 10-day festival of beach volleyball, if you like, um, because there's some that want more. And so, you know, we, we're seeing a mix. We're not seeing anyone say absolutely no to anything yet. Um, the Futures events are being run by the Confederations, as were the one and two stars in the old format. So we're not getting as much visibility on that right now. But certainly in terms of Challenger and Elite elite events in those two formats, um, it's not like we're having to talk people into one or the other. They're right. sort of figuring out which direction they want to go and, and, and going in that way. Yeah. Cause as you mentioned, I feel like the three tier system just alone probably solved a lot of the problems that the five star system created. Cause you mentioned there really were no two stars. There really were no five stars because promoters wisened up and we're like, well, we could throw a five star with the price of a four star. Essentially we're getting that talent and we could throw a two star with the price. And of who does that hurt? Right. The only person that hurts is the athlete. Right. And so, you know, we had, a, we had a number of five-star events that were great for a couple of years and then shut down. And we went from, I think, 14 events to seven in one year. So it really hurts the athletes in the end. And, and what, we're trying to do the opposite to that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I feel like there's just so much commercial appeal to beach volleyball, just as there was so much commercial appeal to F1, that CVC, which is the same firm that kind of 
pumped a lot of money into formula one and I believe rugby and both of those sports are now thriving commercially. And everyone on everyone who listens to Sandcast has pretty much watched drive to survive uh, and what that's done for the sport. Um, how much are you guys looking at the direction that CBC took, you know, in F1 and, and a rugby and saying this is, we could do a lot of that with beach volleyball. Well, needless to say, every sport wants a drive to survive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and we're having discussions. I mean, there's a lot of attraction to, to the sport, um, not just from Netflix, but other producers. So, yeah, having the CBC connection has certainly helped us in terms of, I guess, legitimacy, if that's the right phrase to use. Um, it's not to say that the sport's not legit, because of course it is, but I think the business, having that business side and understanding the resources and the power behind it is is certainly valuable on the commercial side. Um and look, we're having interest from sponsors who have never sponsored beach volleyball before in terms of tour sponsors, um, which is really interesting, you know. I mean, we're still, we're still in discussions, but, you know, traditionally there's been a very small portfolio of sponsors uh, and we're starting to see that evolve and change. So, so we feel like we're heading in the right direction to be able to, you know, sort of elevate it. Um, no, look, uh, yes, I think that CBC is certainly, um, it's great for us in terms of they've been there and done that. They owned Formula One for 12 years. So, you know, they took it from from a pretty British-based sport that, that had some international uh, viewership to pretty much just before Drive to Survive was released. So they were able to grow the team's the, the the team's values, the, the number of events around the world, uh, and really get it ready for the explosion that it's had over the last, I would say, three years, I suppose. Yeah. I feel like beach volleyball, it's it's got so... I, the swell is coming, you know, to use that uh, metaphor that Gervais used when we had him on try. You know, when Gervais was talking about the mental health boom that's come and all the, you know, mental health practices and awareness, he's like, it's like sitting in the ocean, you can feel that swell coming. I feel like that's how it's been with beach volleyball for a while. I mean, there's so many people who play and watch the sport. And I feel like one of the biggest blessings and curses of it is that it's the biggest sport at every summer Olympics and it's this explosion. And then it kind of goes away. And one of the biggest challenges is how do we sustain it? Exactly. Why does it go away? And so I feel like that's sort of the problem that I think volleyball world seems poised to solve. And maybe it's not going to be solved in 2022 or 2023, but I feel like, the strategies that you're talking about are how to make it sustainable between a Paris and an LA and, you know, a Tokyo and a Paris. You know, the, one of the things about the Olympics often is legacy, right? And, and one of the challenges that we have as a sport is that we don't take the opportunity given to us at the Olympics to leave that legacy. You know, I mean, I'm old enough to remember Bondi beach in 2000 and um, and we do have FIVB tournaments in Australia on, on a semi-regular until hopefully moving forward basis. We haven't been back to the UK since, since the beach volleyball at Horse Guards Parade, which was an amazing venue. And maybe we can't get that out of an Olympics, but why, you know, there was a lot of British people that came and saw a fantastic tournament that we didn't capitalise on. In Paris, we're going to be in just the most iconic location in the city and we're, we're working on an event in Paris already for the tour, so we will build that stop and we will have that legacy for all the tour built off the Olympics. We really want to avoid that dip between Olympics because it's such an amazing calling card for the sport that we really want to be able to take advantage of. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the day-to-day look like for you right now? I'm sure it's uh, you're probably up pretty early and going to bed pretty late just trying to figure out the logistics for for the schedules and everything. Uh, look, yeah, it is, but it's, you know, it's, it's positive discussions, right? Where, where we're still, we're still getting a lot of phone calls, a lot of interest. Um, and, and, it, and it's really good even coming this close to Christmas, to be quite honest, normally things shut down, but we're really encouraged about the way discussions are going and, and people's, people are seeing the vision, right? And, and the promoters are understanding what we're trying to do, sponsors are really seeing the value that they can attach by getting involved in the sport. So we're super encouraged in the direction. 
and and really looking forward to getting you know getting started and having some tournaments going are going and getting the athletes back on the beach. I love it. And um, uh, go ahead, we, we, well, we mentioned earlier about you know this swell coming right, and um, I mean just international alone is amazing, but. Have you heard uh, much about uh, what's happening in the U.S.? Because when I think about this swell coming, I'm like, wow, this international, everything sounds so great. But we also have um, a new tour, uh, new ownership on yeah. the domestic tour on the AVP. How do you look at um, like domestic tours and the success and how that can affect you guys? Well, it's, it's all positive, right? I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, all the, all the boats are going to float higher on the high tide. We want we want the, the domestic tours, whether it's AVP or tours in Germany and France and, and and Europe. We want them to be successful. We want them to thrive because we'll keep feeding that next generation of international superstars and international athletes yeah. to be able yeah. to build off that. Yep, it's it's really important. You know, Australia's got a got a building tour for their during their summer, which is obviously our winter. Right. And and this, these are fantastic. And, and, yeah, it's very interesting for Bally's to pick up AVP. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and it, for us, it's, it's all positive. You're fr- you, you must be a little familiar with uh, Bally's just because Cirque du Soleil was such a big uh, Vegas uh, entity. But, right? So my, my job was everything except Las Vegas. So I only, <laughs> okay. I only ever went there to lose money. Not to <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Well, Finn, uh, we appreciate you tons uh, for taking the time to come on. I know it's a, a crazy busy time of year, and um, it's awesome that the the CEO of, of Volleyball World, who's very busy, is coming to chat with a couple players on on a podcast, and we appreciate your time a ton. No worries, guys. I, I love your work, and uh, keep it up. Uh, Thank good you. Listening. Yeah, yeah no, it. seriously, appreciate it so much, and um, we're we're really excited about what's uh, what's to come. Well, we'll see you out on tour next year. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Ben, thanks again. Bye.